And so it's the idea that being visible and sharing what you have to share, it doesn't just come off the cuff for the majority of people. And people who are extremely visible, they practice and they start in smaller, safer containers. And as they build their confidence and as they feel better about it, then they expand those containers over time. Welcome to the Online Creator Podcast. I'm your host, Kim Tradewell, founder of May & James Co., a creative digital company. Building a brand is about human connection. I am here to help you articulate your story through strategy, development, and execution. I believe that anything is possible at any age and at any stage of business. The only limits we have are the ones that we place on ourselves. I want you to feel like you are supported, not alone, and that you are able to take action quickly. On this podcast, expect to hear interviews from a wide range of guest speakers, bite-sized solo episodes from myself, bingeable episodes that will give you insights, different perspectives, and actionable strategies to help you reach your goals personally and professionally. Now let's get into the show. Welcome to the Online Creator Podcast, episode 36. I am so excited about this podcast. I love my guest opportunities that we get on the show here. This week is no different. It is with the one and only Rachel Cook. I have been a huge fan for a while. She is the founder of the CEO Collective and the host of the Promote Yourself to CEO podcast. If you haven't listened, go check it out. She has over 15 years of experience consulting small owner operated businesses. She has become a trusted voice in the entrepreneurial community known for her expertise in business strategy, marketing, and leadership. She's a wealth of knowledge and she is a sought after speaker and small business expert with her work featured in publications such as Entrepreneur Inc., Washington Post, Money, Business insider and Forbes. She is passionate about helping more women entrepreneurs escape hustle culture to build life first businesses that allow business owners to do meaningful work and live a meaningful life. I really enjoyed this conversation with her. Sometimes when you hop onto a call, you just never know where the conversation goes. And honestly, today was so, so good. Let's welcome Rachel to the show and dive into the conversation. Welcome Rachel to the show and let's dive into the conversation. Rachel, thank you so much for joining me today on the podcast. I'm so excited you're here. Hey, Kim. I'm so glad I'm here. I'm so glad we have set up this time because now I get to be on your show after you being on mine. I'm loving it. Yes, it's it's so fun. Um, Oh, that's this crazy online world. I followed Rachel for a while. So I, uh, before we get into all the good things that you do, I'm a solopreneur, this, this world is so crazy. And so I love how you work with your clients, how you show up and help others build sustainable businesses without all the fatigue and burnout that we are seeing because it's real. It's real. So before we dive into that, though, I love opening up the podcast and the conversation with how have you leveraged your voice to better your brand and your business? And maybe it's looked a little different through your journey, but I would love to hear your take on it. Yeah, I love this question because I jokingly say all the time, I just show up and say things. 
that's literally how I have leveraged my voice is it's one of my like biggest strengths is just being able to show up and support people, provide value and help them problem solve. And the way that I do that, the vehicle through which I do that is usually through coaching and consulting. And also I have my podcast, Promote Yourself to CEO. And also I do a lot of public speaking (laughs) and a lot of content, which generally starts with literally my voice, but we also produce that on video, audio, print, you know, written everything. Has it always been easy for you to be able to just speak? Like, has that always been a part of who Rachel is or is it something that you've grown into? So let's wind it back a little bit. I think I have some unfair advantages with sharing my voice because I grew up as a musician and there is something that happens when you are used to spending hours a day practicing something and then getting used to the idea of going in front of people and performing. (laughs) So I have a background in music. I actually have a music degree in addition to business degrees. I actually went to school thinking I was going to go into orchestral French horn and I didn't. But at that point, by the time I graduated, I had been playing an instrument since I was four or five years old and performed all the time. So for me, I think one of the biggest hurdles, a lot of people who are trying to share their voice, (laughs) I had already accomplished that hurdle years ago because I'd already been performing. I'd been used to the idea of practicing And then showing up and delivering something. And when you do that for so long, you really don't have much fear about any other way of doing that. So I was always really good at public speaking from the time I was a kid. I've always been very opinionated and have a lot of thoughts around things. And I'm just comfortable showing up and sharing what I think. And I I really feel like that performance piece is part of it because when I work with women entrepreneurs, they're very scared to be visible because they've never had to. They've never had to stand up in front of a crowd, whether real or virtual, and be able to share. So I've kind of had that practice like a good couple of decades ahead of a lot of people. Yes, yes, you have. (laughs) And I don't think that would be the norm. And like you mentioned, I think sometimes it's even not how we were raised, but it's also a personality thing. So you mentioned when you work with entrepreneurs, how like is what do you see most? Do you see most people not afraid, like you said, and that's something that you have to work on to help bring them be out in the spotlight a little bit more? Because having your own business in this online space is about creating awareness and visibility and who you are and stepping in and owning that. So is that something that you've really had to work on like as a foundational piece? Yeah, I think visibility in general is interesting, especially because I work with women. And we have to remember that traditionally for women to be visible, for them to be outspoken, for them to have opinions and to build a platform around those opinions, has not been accepted, in fact, has been discouraged for most of, you know, society. And certainly a lot of us were socialized and conditioned as children to be seen and not heard, to be a good girl, to be the good student. And women as girls were encouraged to be quiet and to make themselves small. 
Whereas on the opposite end, you know, when we were being raised, I think some of this was starting to shift because they really started working on the whole, like, we need to build up girls' confidence a lot through the 80s and 90s. And it's changed quite a bit. Like, now that I'm raising kids, I definitely see my my kids have no problem sharing <laughs> anything and being seen. But the idea of taking up space physical space in a world where women were told the smaller we could be, the better taking up, you know, space with our opinions, with our thoughts, with our ideas in a world where we were told to be quiet. Those are kind of revolutionary things. And it definitely takes practice. And the other thing that comes up when it comes to visibility is a very real fear of people not liking us for showing up and taking up space. Whether it is, you know, the whole tall poppy syndrome, <laughs> you know, you're getting too big for your britches, you're sh- you're standing out too much, or people disagreeing with you and taking that personally. Those are very real challenges that women have to work through as they're creating more visibility and more opportunities for their messages to get out there. I even remember you know, sometimes these things don't bother me because I had so much experience with it. But then when you go online and there's this world where there's people who will literally leave the most hateful things in comments, that is a very real fear for people. What if people don't like it and they leave a negative comment or a mean or a hurtful or a derogatory comment to me? And at the same time, we must take up space. We must. Because if we don't, and we allow somebody who doesn't have their real name or their real picture showing up with their comment, if we allow their words to matter more than what we have to say, we are doing a real disservice to the rest of the world. Okay, so many good things right there. I can't even, I don't even know where to start. Like One of them, I'll start with. Box here, Kim. So. No, but it's such a good topic and it resonates with so many of us. Yeah. I've been in this online space for three years this spring and I still struggle because of all the things that you have just said. And you know what? I'm raising a very strong and independent woman right now under this roof. <laughs> she is. 18 will be 19 in June and uh, she has very strong opinions and I love every second of it. It might exhaust me, but I love it because I don't want her to hide behind things. I want her to share her voice. I know that I've been told many times that, oh, Kim will get excited and start talking and hopefully other people will be able to have a chance. And I'm like, really? And so then I walk back into the same room and I'm quiet. And that's sad. That's sad, right? We need to be able to share our voices. I heard recently someone said that women write books, how-to books, and men write philosophy books. And I was like, what? (laughs) That just even that difference. Like, why is there Mm -hmm. so many differences between how we show up and how males show up? Like, it just, it's so frustrating for me. And I find it super fascinating. So how do we go from here to the next stage in showing up comfortably too. And that's the other piece of entrepreneurship is, okay, we know we need to be visible. We need to show up, but how do we do it in a way that feels good to what we know? So where we're at and keep showing back up for, 
Because that's the other thing. I've worked with sales coaches before that are just like, you know, if you're not on live or showing up on your stories every day, then you, you shouldn't be here. And I'm like, yeah, but like, that's exhausting. That's exhausting. Yeah. So what are some like good first steps that you help your entrepreneurs and your world? You know, what are some good yeah. first steps? Well, I want to tie in something you just mentioned, you know, it's funny. There is this stigma that men tend to complain that women talk too much, but there's been study after study that show if you literally were to track in a, like a board meeting or something who was talking the most, it was always the men, right? Hands down. They, they talk and they talk over and they claim ideas of women, their counterparts in the same room. And one of my favorite stories is about how in the Obama administration, the women of that administration came together and said, we are going to back each other up. We are going to support each other because in the corporate space and more traditional spaces in the government space, it is very common for men to talk over and take credit for women's ideas. And the women were like, no, we're going to back each other up. If someone, if a woman said this idea in this meeting, in this setting, and then a man starts trying to take over that idea. The women were going to redirect and say, actually, Kim had a really great point with that idea. And they were going to highlight that, hey, give credit where credit is due. And they were going to do that in a way where all of them could thrive. And I think this is crucially important because as entrepreneurs who we have to be visible, we have to have our backup right? We have to have people who believe in what we're doing and who are going to be there for us as we are navigating the emotional side of making ourselves visible because it's very vulnerable to be visible. And for women, it has traditionally not been safe to make yourself visible. Women who get very visible, especially if they have things to say that might be polarizing, it is not uncommon for them to get very real threats to their safety. So we need to have people in our corner and we have to practice being visible so that we can kind of build up our tolerance for that vulnerability. Because it is like, if you've, I love the phrase vulnerability hangover. That's what Brene Brown shared that phrase before that when you show up and you're really vulnerable and you're opening yourself up to criticism, you're opening up, you know, yourself to People being not just negative, but potentially dangerous or violent towards you. It is scary. So we need to start by practicing in safe spaces. And sometimes, you know, when it comes to getting used to visibility, I think just like when I was a musician, I didn't practice out loud in front of people. <laughs> I was practicing like in my room, in a practice room, literally, you go to a school of music, you're going to see floor after floor of little four foot by four foot soundproofed rooms because you're going to practice there and you're going to practice again and again and again and again until it feels more natural, until your body has acclimated to it, your mm -hmm. nervous system has acclimated to it. And then you're going to practice in a room of your peers. You're going to go into your studio where everyone else is there learning the same things and you're going to practice in front of each other. And that also resets your capacity 
for having other people witness you sharing what you're sharing or doing what you're doing. And then you gradually grow up and grow up and grow up, right? So when you're trying to be more visible, it's not like you're going to go do a TED talk the first time you're being visible. That is, your nervous system likely cannot handle that and isn't ready for it. But you can start simply by practicing with a group of peers, getting in rooms with other people. I remember when live video started being more of a thing, like when Facebook Live first came out, it was like 2016. And I'm someone who likes to jump on trends pretty quickly because I know there's going to be a a big curve going up it, right? If you can catch one of those trends as it's happening and then ride it, you're going to get momentum by default. You won't have to work as hard because the momentum's already built in. And we would set up private Facebook groups just so that we could practice going live in a private Facebook group with a small group of people. Just like if you were going to practice giving a keynote talk, like you might go, I literally remember a lot of times I would have a keynote or presentation and I would go rent a space Mm -hmm. with all of the AV equipment so I could practice the feel of the clicker in my hand and giving the presentation. And then I'd invite people in to watch me go through it a few times before I had that actual presentation. And so it's the idea that being visible and sharing what you have to share, it doesn't just come off the cuff for the majority of people. And people who are extremely visible, they practice. And they start in smaller, safer containers. And as they build their confidence and as they feel better about it, then they expand those containers over time. So many good top thoughts in what you just said. And I think I just want to make sure that people heard the the thought around like supporting one, one another, right? And having each other's back and wow. finding space that feels safe is so important here. <laughs> That's wow. how I see people really growing and building momentum is not just doing it by themselves. You can still be a solopreneur, but have reach out and find your people out here that are doing the same thing and, you know, have a safe space where you guys meet up, like even if it's once a month to do a chat, a call and run ideas past each other, because you don't have to hire like big coaches to do that. You just need to have a safe group of women that are doing the same thing and support each other. And wow, that can do wonders for you. And then the other thing about just taking the small steps before you get on the big stage is so important. I think there's a lot of clients and I'm sure you have seen it too in your world where they get hung up right in the mindset block right at the beginning and say, well, like, why would anyone want to listen to me? Yeah, there is so many other women out there that are sharing the same story. What makes me so special? And it kind of breaks my heart a little because I am truly a believer that everyone's voice and story is unique and you will touch somebody with your story Mm -hmm. just as much or if not more powerfully than somebody else that is talking about the same topic because your story is unique to you. And yeah, like it's just it's it's crazy how much our mindset will block us from even just taking those first few steps. So I think it's really powerful to support yeah. one another and lift each other up as much as we possibly can. Leading into all the practice you have done in your platforms. I love that you've done a variety, but that audio is 
really kind of at the heart and center of how you have created a visibility plan in your own business with over 380 episodes on your podcast, as you mentioned. How has that been something that, like, how has that adventure been for you in podcasting? Oh, gosh. I mean, honestly, it's been the one constant throughout a lot of the things that I've tested. Like when I look at my overall marketing strategy, my podcast really is the heart of everything because I will test lots of platforms. I have no real allegiance to any specific social media platform or whatever. I will always fish where the fish are. Like if I think my clients are on some platform, I will go learn about it. Even if I personally am like, I don't really love this. It doesn't matter. That's where my clients are. Um, but for me, I, a couple things that my podcast has been really helpful with. One is I have chronic illness. I have a lot of chronic conditions and autoimmune conditions that really limit my capacity in many different ways. And this means my ability to show up and be visible from day to day, from week to week, from month to month can change pretty dramatically. So showing up on video on a regular basis is incredibly hard. Showing up live is incredibly hard. Trying to create new things all the time is incredibly hard. But with my podcast, it is one of the most evergreen ways to create content that I have found. And my favorite part about it is I can, the days where I feel great and I'm going to batch a lot of podcast recordings, I can get anywhere from four to six done in a good time frame. And mine are mostly solo episodes. So I don't generally have a lot of interviews on my podcast. Probably about 80% are all solo episodes. So for me to show up and record four to six episodes, I mean, that is a lot of talking and I have to have a lot of energy to be able to do it. I also have a whole routine down, like from the throat coat tea to the sleeping to what I'm eating that day. Like I have a whole thing to make sure I can show up and deliver that but it's one that fits in the best with my life and my challenges. I've also looked at my podcast in a way that I think a lot of people haven't thought about, which is I look at my podcast kind of as a, a resource of content that is more on the evergreen side. I think a lot of people look at content as this is a hamster wheel you jump on and you just have to be churning out new content all the time. I don't look at it like that. Because I know that if people listen to my podcast, there is a life cycle for certain things, right? I may have created 380 episodes, but people haven't listened to them all. And some of those episodes that you might see on the total count are repurposed from prior times. Like there are a lot of times where we will take a series and repurpose it with very little effort on my part, meaning we will upload essentially the same thing with a new intro or we will change the title. So every January, if you go back the last few Januaries, you will see the same series like a CEO. It's how to run your quarter like a CEO, how to run your month like a CEO, your week, your day. I haven't changed anything on that series, but we've republished it at least, I don't know, three or four years in a row now. <laughs> and I, I do that, that yeah. over and over because... It's evergreen content. It's my core message. It's a huge part of my core message. And people need to hear it again and again in order for them to really let it sink in. And I will even have people, a lot of people are new by the time they hit that round, you know, but then I'll have people who've listened to my 
podcast for a long time. And they're like, oh, I'm so glad this came out again this year. It was such a good reminder of these core things. So a lot of messaging and marketing for your business is not about creating new, 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 new. It's kind of about having these core messages that you return to again and again and again. And podcasting makes it really easy for us to repurpose and reshare it. So if you were to like behind the scenes on my end, probably about a good, I'm looking at my, uh, my mix here on my wall of what we have going out, probably about half of the podcast content going out this year has been repurposed. And then the other half is new content with the intention that the new content I've recorded is stuff I will repurpose in the future. I actually have enough series of content on my podcast that by the end of this year, I will be able to go two straight years and repurpose all of these series without repeating for two years in a row. Okay. Like, I love that. (laughs) So. That is so amazing because I don't think people, they get excited about the idea of choosing a platform, then they choose a platform and then they go all in and then they take a minute and they're getting exhausted and they look up and they're like, ah, this is way too much work or, or they didn't actually really think it out a little bit more, like put a strategy behind whatever platform you choose and see what is possible with what you already have in your business going on and how the platform you choose to show up for can align and work side by side with what you're doing. I I don't think we do that enough. No, we don't. And I think it's really easy. There's a lot of times where advice gets really confusing in the world of business and entrepreneurship, especially because if you don't have the context for these things, it's easy to kind of jump onto something that is being talked about in the startup community or something that's being talked about in the influencer community. And I'm really clear. I'm not a startup. (laughs) That is not my focus. I am not here to be an influencer. Now, if I was an influencer and my whole focus was building a massive platform so that I could then go sell advertising essentially and do brand partnerships, it would not work for me to repurpose content. But I am sponsoring my own podcast. So my purpose is that within three to six months of somebody finding my podcast is for them to become a client in some way. And that means knowing, because I know my sales cycles, I track how long it takes somebody to find me to becoming a client. And it's so interesting when you do that, you start to realize like, okay, People don't remember what I said last year because half the audience has already moved on to something else. And the other half, they're going to stay and follow you for a really, really long time. But they actually enjoy getting the constant reminders about these core principles that I'm talking about. Oh, that's so powerful. I'm going to let you in on a little secret, private audio feeds. This means you can take the audio from content you've already created and share it with your paying customers. With Hello Audio, you can create private audio feeds in minutes. Check out the show notes for the link or go to helloaudio.fm for more information.
everything that you said there is just so important and powerful. And I think it's a perfect segue into the next question that I was going to ask around how, when you are talking to your ideal clients and when they start peaking interest into who Rachel is and how we can work with you, I think that's it. I know it is for me. Explain what, what is the foundational piece of your business, how you work with clients and how you structure their marketing and sales, because I just, I find it super unique in how you approach this. Yeah. My every, all roads in my business lead to the CEO collective, which is our 12 month mentorship meets mastermind program. Mm -hmm. And inside of the CEO collective, we are specifically focused on women entrepreneurs who are more established, who've already crossed usually the six figure mark and they're headed towards multiple six and even seven figures. Most of our clients are about to start hiring a team. They're about to get ready to scale, but they're actually in a really messy middle place of business because it might sound like six figures is a lot, but it's really not. It's not enough to pay yourself a six figure salary. It's not enough to hire team to support you. Being a solopreneur sounds great until you're the one doing all the tasks. You know, you're wearing all the hats in your business. My goal is to help people build out a sustainable, scalable business model, which means actually defining what is the vision and the values of that business beyond your own personal needs, because there's a difference there. And there's a, a growth point where you actually start to meet your personal goals. And now you have to have a reason for your team to want to work with you right? There's a point where your business needs to grow. And that means you need more help. You need more people and they don't want to grow so that you can go out and buy a fancy car and live this amazing lifestyle. There needs to be a bigger purpose behind it than you living some amazing life, right? So we're there to help people define what is that vision and values that people can get behind, that your, your team can get behind, that your clients can get behind, because they don't care if you drive a fancy car or wear red bottom shoes or go on fancy vacations. And in fact, sometimes this is actually a major turnoff when you're trying to hire a team and then don't have a, a compelling reason for them to want to be there. And they just see you showing off your toys. This can backfire a lot on people. So vision and values is a huge part of it. Then we move into our 90 day operating system is based on 90 day planning because it's just long enough to stay focused and see momentum without being so long that you can't adapt and adjust to whatever might be happening in life, in the world, et cetera. We have our very, very clear 90 day planning process that we run. And we find that when people get into this rhythm and they start implementing the core scalable strategies and systems they need into their business, that they really get to the point where they have built the infrastructure of their business. They have really solid marketing, sales, and customer experience systems in place that 80% of the hard work has been done because they built up the internal infrastructure in their business. And then they need a team to help them rinse and repeat as they start growing. They need a team to help them rinse and repeat and continue to optimize their marketing, their sales, and their delivery. Because at some point, if you're a service-based business, if you are a coaching business, if you are a brick and mortar business, a local business, if you are the one that every single client wants to talk to, it becomes unmanageable. You, you really start to limit what you can do. And so we help them 
bring all of these elements together as well as work on their own CEO leadership. So you've already heard me talk about like some of the mindset and some of the conditioning and some of the things we have to navigate and overcome. And we do a lot of talking about habits, boundaries, mindset, uh, common challenges that come up, kind of those entrepreneurial rites of passage that can seem so incredibly hard. But when you're in community and you have other people saying, oh, yeah, that happened to me, (laughs) then it starts to make it easier and we start to smooth the path forward for each other. Yeah, all of that. All of that. I've seen organizations that have blown up in one year. You know, they've built momentum, they blew up, they have a team, but it doesn't operate without that head person. Like that head person is still like the person that all the clients want to talk to. And that doesn't build sustainability in that business. Like, how is that even that doesn't even make sense. And, and then on the other end, I see a lot of businesses that are at that, we can't grow anymore. It's a team of one or two. And how do we how do we envision the next phase? Like, is it a small agency model or is it a different scalable approach in a unique way? And I think that's tea in the road that a lot of us get to. And it's okay to just sit where we are and to manage and maintain and just, just be steady Eddie. But if you see something different that is possible, being able to reach out to someone like yourself and your organization that really does support that growth in a way that makes sense I think that's absolutely unique and and really special because I can only imagine you've seen some amazing transformations in the past few years. And if you've been able to work with them at that T in the road to what's next, right? It's so exciting for me because the thing that always comes up, I mean, we, we tend to be very optimistic bunch as entrepreneurs. We tend to assume that like, we can do it. We can just go reach for the stars and, you know, nothing's going to get in our way. But you do this long enough. I mean, I'm 15 years into running my own business and over 20 years of working with small businesses. And you realize that things are going to happen that can majorly derail you. You get sick. You lose a parent. You go through a divorce. You have a child. You lose a child. You have cancer. I have witnessed and gone through these experiences with so many clients and they have the potential to derail or close or shut down a business. And we shouldn't wait until we have that health scare to take making our business more sustainable and able to run without us seriously. And because this is one of those things where because of the challenges I've gone through personally, you know, especially with chronic health issues, I had no choice but to set my business up the way that I set it up. And it's kind of like, because I did it this way, it took me a while to realize other people didn't think like this. And then they would ask me, well, how are you doing this with chronic illnesses? While having these, I had my twins a year and a half after I started my business. And Then I have a fully disabled mother who I'm responsible for her nursing care at home. And so I'm always managing, like, we have anywhere from seven to eight nurses at any time, you know, and hiring and finding nurses. They were every couple of months, I'm having to hire and find other people. Like, all these things are very real. And the when I look into the research, I'm like, women are most likely to be caregivers. Women are most likely to need to have the flexibility because Again, we are taking care of children. 
we're the most likely to have to take care of our parents. We're the ones that are sat- sitting there holding the bag when it comes to all of that. We're also the most likely to be impacted by chronic illness. So yeah, I think it's one of those things where I had to do it this way because I had no choice. And I want other people just by me sharing these different parts of like my story, I want other people to know that like when you set it up this way, hopefully instead of it being a crisis that you have to face and it takes you out of your business, hopefully instead it's something fun, like going on vacation or deciding to travel the world with your kids or (laughs) doing something exciting. Like I have several clients, like I have a, one of my clients took a whole month sabbatical the month of December. And I was like, awesome. I love it. And she has a brick and mortar yoga studio in Asheville, North Carolina. And that thing was running the whole time. She didn't not get paid. Her students didn't miss out on anything. She had it set up where that was possible. Mm -hmm. I have clients who are able to take maternity leave for three or four or five months at a time and they're getting paid and their clients are getting taken care of and their team is getting paid and running it. And that's amazing to me because to me, that's real freedom. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. We wear so many different hats in any given day and the power of also remembering how important it is to look after our own well-being to be able to show up in all the different hats and aspects of what we do day to day is is crazy like it's actually mind-blowing I I I still look at what my mom was able to do with us growing up and I'm in awe I used to bug her and say why don't you remember the songs in the 80s and she's like I was too exhausted like I was I was too exhausted to listen to music. And when I had a moment, it was quiet. And when I was running you guys around, I wasn't paying attention to the music in the background. I was figuring out what are we eating? Where am I driving you to? What's going on? Who's picking up your brother? All of the things that our parents did for us and now we're doing for our kids. And it's flexibility, looking after ourselves and our well-being so that we can continually show up in a healthy way. It's worth so much more than any monetized value you can add to it. So I appreciate that you said all of those things. And I can't even imagine what is possible if you do set up your business with a different lens and have some support and guidance to get you there. So if people want to find out more, how do they get a hold of Rachel? Yeah. I mean, one of the best ways is just come hang out with us over on the podcast, promote yourself to CEO. I have episodes coming out every single week. We have a whole backlog of incredible content. And other than that, I would say get on the email list, come check out what we are working on. If you are an entrepreneur and you're wanting to understand the framework that we use to create that sustainability in your business, we have a great free training available all about what we call the 90 day CEO operating system, the five essential elements we help our clients put in place to create that for them. And whether you work with us or not, it is still so incredibly valuable to see this framework to get you out of that messy middle and start putting more infrastructure in place so that you can have that freedom. I would encourage you to go to the website. It's literally on the homepage of the CEO collective.com and you can get free access to that. Ah, That's so good. I'll make sure that is in the show notes as well. And before I let you go, I love doing a few rapid fire questions with all my guests because it gets a little inside look of who you are if people don't already get it through this recording. (laughs) It was probably one of my favorite uh, interviews. So thank you. Thank you so much for your time and being candid. 
with me and with others. How do you shake off a stressful day to be able to be creative and excited to show up for your clients and for the work that you do the next? Okay. I have a lot of little, little things that I do. I have found that managing my nervous system is one of the most important things you can learn to do. Learning how to heal your nervous system, learning how to heal whatever trauma you might've been through in your life. And I have been through way too much is one of the most important, powerful things you can do. One of my favorite quotes is that leadership is managing the energy in yourself so that you can help the energy in others. And that all starts with a huge amount of self-awareness, a huge amount of being open and curious and vulnerable and willing to work through things that might be keeping you stuck. And a huge amount of that is really prioritizing yourself. I tell my clients all the time, protect the asset. The asset is you. Because even though we've built out all these things to make your business more sustainable, um, there's a, you know, you're still going to have to show up at some point, right? Even if you can take a whole month off or a few months off or whatever, like you still have to be able to be a part of it in order to keep this thing going. And for me, protecting the asset, my clients tell me all the time, they're like, you tell us all the time we have to make our thrive list and we have to put, prioritize our self-care and we have to take days off. And it's because if you're not making that just so much a part of your natural way of being, then you will not be giving from the overflow that you have. You are giving from the reserve tank. So you have to have a full tank all the time. And that means you have to prioritize yourself. Yes, yes, yes. Are you a reader? Do you read books? Do you listen through audio? What's your go-to for entertainment or for self-development? All the above. I am a voracious reader. I'm actually, I've always been a speed reader. So I'm always working on a few different books. You will never find me without a couple books literally on hand. People who come to my office always take pictures of my bookshelf because they want to know what I have on my bookshelf. I bet. <laughs> and I listen to a lot of content as well. I I listen to a lot of audiobooks. I have actually kind of burned out of a lot of different podcasts on the business side, but I listen to a ton of god, really nerdy stuff, y'all. Like I will get some down some rabbit holes about history or politics or whatever. I I'm just a naturally curious person. So I'm always taking in something from somewhere. I love that. I've just started taking up audiobooks as well. And I just, I mean, I love having a book in my hand still, yep. but literally listening to an audiobook that was read by someone that has that, you know, I, like recently I just read Green Lights, right? With Matthew McConaughey. Who doesn't love listening to his voice? I mean, I come on. One. He's amazing. And by the way, he has a whole bedtime meditation on I'm calm sure on the calm app. Oh my gosh, are you serious? No, I'm serious. If you out. want Matthew McConaughey to read you a meditation to go to sleep, go download the calm app. Totally <laughs> checking that out after this call. 110% because if he doesn't have a voice that calms you down, I don't know. Oh my god. I don't gosh. know what else is. What last question. 
if you were to say something to your younger self, a piece of advice that you have learned through the years of all of your amazing wisdom being in the space of entrepreneurship, and what would it be? Mm. <sighs> my younger self, I mean, it's so funny because I really kind of broke free from a lot of this stuff in my 20s. So if I were to go back even younger, it would be don't be so worried about being perfect, about being the good girl, right. about checking all the boxes because other people say this is what you should do. Mm-hmm. I wish I would have broken more rules when I was yes. younger, but I was definitely the hero child in a alcoholic family. Mm-hmm. So my role was very much being perfect. Yeah. And unlearning that is, is my life's work in a lot of ways. So when I show up and I mess up and, you know, flub up on a podcast recording, I've learned not to edit those things out. I've learned to be okay if there's a broken link and to be okay if like something goes wrong because perfection is unattainable and the mm-hmm. quest for perfection will make you insane. Oh. Yes. And doesn't make you relatable in any way. And if we want others to be able to even consider stepping foot into this entrepreneurial space and online space or whatever space and believe in themselves, it definitely isn't to show up in the most perfect form. Because if, um, you know, if if they do that, they'll never show up because it's impossible, like you said. So such a great way to wrap up this episode. Again, I can't Thank you enough for your time. I know you are a very busy human, so I appreciate you so, so much. And I hope people take away some good nuggets today because there was some good ones. Well, thank you so much, Kim. It was such a pleasure and I had so much fun chatting with you today. Thanks so much for listening into the show. It truly means so much to me. You can check out the important links mentioned in today's episode in the show notes, and please join the conversation over on Instagram at me and James Co. I love hearing from you. There are so many great conversations coming up, so please make sure you are subscribed to Apple or Spotify or any of your favorite media players so that you don't miss out. And if you enjoyed the show today, please share and leave a review and a rating because it helps us so very much. Until next time.